Great question. The Manufacturing Podcast offers news and information for the people who make, store, and move things, and those who manage and maintain the facilities where that work gets done. Hello, and welcome to a new installment of the Great Question Podcast series, presented twice weekly by Endeavor Business Media's Manufacturing Group. I'm Robert Brooks, and I'm the Editor and Content Director of Foundry Management and Technology and FoundryMag.com and for AmericanMachinist.com. We report on the manufacturing activities in the metal casting sector, meaning foundries and die casters, and the manufacturing technology sector, meaning machine shops and machining operations that operate as part of larger OEMs, meaning original equipment manufacturers. That coverage will be the basis of my contributions to the Great Question series. We're going to look at issues and developments shaping the work and planning by people involved with metal casting and manufacturing technology. Today, I'm making some effort to define these terms because they may elude the understanding of many manufacturing people listening to the Great Question series. And because those who are not familiar with foundries and machine shops ought to become familiar with them. These businesses are fundamental to the manufacturing supply chain. Whatever you manufacture, there are cast parts and machined parts involved in the composition of your finished product or in the machinery and systems you use to produce those products or in the handling and delivery of them to your customers. You need those parts and you need the people and businesses that supply them. And I'm making this effort to define things because, as we hear so often, words matter. And there's already too much misunderstanding about manufacturing and manufacturers. Over the past month, I've been corresponding with a young writer who aims to be a regular contributor to our pages and our sites. The initial pitch, how can digitization reshape metal casting, seemed to be promising. So I asked for an outline of this proposed essay. What I received showed me that her understanding of the subject was going to lead her in some unhelpful directions. So I revised and edited the outline and sent it back with some explanation of what I had done and some guidance about how I thought she should proceed with the research and composition. My advice was not enough to correct a very basic misunderstanding, which I will explain by referring again to that proposed title. How can digitization reshape metal casting? The writer's enthusiasm for the article was based on the words digitization and reshape. My interest in publishing it was based on metal casting. Now, there are numerous ways that digitization is already at work for foundries and die casters and machine shops in highly practical things like simulation and data collection, in design and prototyping, and at the enterprise and commercial levels of those operations, and in developing applications for maintenance and quality control, and in skill development and training. That was what I expected from the proposed article. The writer's writer's version and mine did not overlap. And the reason for that is based on the general lack of understanding about what a metal casting is, what a foundry or die caster does, and how it does that, and why all of that is essential to understanding the manufacturing supply chain. 
One of the primary examples put forth in her draft is a business based in New Zealand called Foundry Lab. Foundry Lab offers the following as its business model, quote, cast on demand production, quality metal parts, and a fraction of the cost, time, and climate impact of a traditional foundry, end quote. I have reported previously on Foundry Lab, which is an interesting operation that, despite its name, is not a foundry. It's also not a lab. It is an additive manufacturing business that uses direct metal laser centering to produce parts that function in place of castings. So everything the Foundry Lab claims in its boilerplate is accurate, but nothing about how it achieves those things is going to reshape metal casting, as the writer proposed in her pitch to me. Another clue to the misunderstanding is the selection of the word reshape, which, like its near synonym, transform, is a favorite among writers and marketers, and significantly among investors. All of those groups want to convince you to listen to their proposal, to accept their premise, to reject the current status of something, and embrace the alternative they present to you. They want you to see the new possibilities they have identified for their brand. But here's a wrinkle in that possibility. To accept a proposal, to invest in an idea, customers and investors want a bit of confidence in the enterprise making the offer. Calling the business Foundry Lab does that. It paints a picture for you. It's got a legacy. You conclude that its staff and workers are craftsmen who embrace blue-collar ethics and principles. And it's rooted in tradition. It's been around for decades, and it'll be there when you call. That's what comes to my mind when I think of a foundry and the people who staff and work in them. And Foundry Lab is just the latest business to trade off that image. The examples of others that are doing so are innumerable. Manufacturers of silicon chips for semiconductors long ago branded their operations as foundries, unironically, it seems. Chip production bears no resemblance to making molds, melting metal, pouring and filtering metal, and so forth. But there is similarity in the evolution of the two product categories. The earliest microelectronic devices were manufactured by companies that both designed and produced silicon chips devoted to their particular application. Before long, economics allowed separation of manufacturing and design, and commodity-grade producers of the chips emerged so that today we see what are called merchant foundries, producing chips for broad applications, and pure play foundries that custom produce chips for specific applications. Of the latter, one of the most notable examples calls itself global foundries. The foundry label also emphasizes the design and reliability of the products produced there, the originality of the work, and the stability of the enterprise. And the high-tech world has prompted other businesses to brand themselves this way. Sonic Foundry emerged first as a media software developer, though now it is known for webcasting software and for distance learning and corporate communication and presentation software. The investment community sees the value of the Foundry name too. Foundry Partners LLC is a highly recognizable, quote, boutique asset management company that specializes in active management, 
and delivering positive risk-adjusted returns for our clients, end quote. Do not suppose that big business is unique in this embrace of these good qualities. A famous religious institution arose from the bequests of one foundryman, the Foundry United Methodist Church in Washington, D.C. And the same tenor of stability is evident in the name of a 12-month recovery program with a Christian curriculum, quote, focused on lifelong thought, habit, and behavior change. That is the Foundry Ministries. Places that once may have been foundries but no longer are somehow want to project the notion that the legacy continues. All over the world there are art galleries, performance spaces, and restaurants with foundry in their name, telling us that interesting and well-crafted things are available there. And the name is appealing even to people who don't want to work or create, but want to adopt the aesthetic. Vintage Foundry Company is an online retailer of leather footwear, quote, for people looking to elevate their wardrobe with statement shoes, featuring design elements with a modern aesthetic. Vintage Foundry Co. offers high-quality footwear that is timeless, stylish, comfortable, and durable, end quote. And the label brings a vicarious sense of integrity to a hotel in Asheville, North Carolina, a restored and seamless blend of industrial history, local culture, and warm hospitality, it says. that It confers authenticity to the corn whiskey being produced by Iowa's Foundry Distilling Company. And I can point you to dozens of rehabilitated living and or working spaces in the U.S. and Canada that are branded as the Foundry Lofts. As an editorialist, I would say that all those non-foundries understand that consumers desire whatever qualities are suggested by the word foundry. But how or why that is would be a different subject. Integrity, creativity, reliability, and authenticity take time to be recognized. And those qualities must be maintained and reaffirmed. And that's the brand that manufacturers have earned for themselves and that others aim to adopt or at least to project to their customers. Those are the manufacturers we'll be learning from in these installments to the Great Question series. We'll emphasize their role in the manufacturing supply chain so that among our listeners, we can promote an accurate and practical understanding about how they manufacture things, how they manage problems, how they adopt new capabilities, how they develop the techniques and skills that will make them more competitive and their customers more loyal. Thanks for listening to this monologue, which will not be typical. In the next installment, I'll speak to someone who understands the thinking and planning of people and businesses at this fundamental level of manufacturing and who will diagnose what they're doing wrong and how they can do it better. Please be sure to to subscribe to the Great Question podcast series coming to you twice weekly from Endeavor Business Media.